All right, and good morning, Ridge Point Church. So, uh, on, on Tuesday of this week, it was it was the afternoon before the really bad weather came in, and, and we kind of everyone knew the rain was about to come, and with it was the promise of, of cold weather, which was like our two days of winter here in Florida. I understand that. So we had like Thursday, Friday was cold weather, but but Tuesday we knew the the wind was was coming, the the rain was about to come, and, and with the rain, all the stuff was coming after that. And so I decided at that point, this was my last good chance to get a good run in. Well, I call it run. Everyone else watching might call it a slow jog. But, but for me, it was running. And, and so I, I got out that, that day, and, and I said, okay, before the rain comes, I want to get out and get one final run in. And, and so I, I got out, and I knew already the forecast was it was going to be really windy, so I pulled up at my house, and it was already pretty windy. And, and the course that I now trek, I, I kind of have my goal in mind of what I want to accomplish right now with where I'm at with my running, is I leave my neighborhood, and I get out to, there's a lake right by my house, and I run about halfway around the lake, and I reach my turnaround point, I hit that point, and then I turn around and I run back. And so I got to the house, and, and I knew it was kind of windy, so I went inside to have this, this Gator's windbreaker. So I went and put the windbreaker on, because what's a windbreaker supposed to do? <laughs> you just said that in church, I just want to point that out. <laughs> So I, I thought it was a good idea to have the windbreaker on, so I go and I put the windbreaker on, and I start to run, and in my neighborhood it was great because it was kind of keeping me a little bit warmer, but once I got away from the houses and the trees and all that stuff and I got out to the lake, I realized I was facing this really hard headwind coming right at me, and the windbreaker I thought was going to help me end up really working against me because I'm running, and the wind was, was so aggressive at that point, I had to lean forward because the wind was pushing backwards. I'm leaning forward, so I'm trying to run into the wind, and I'm really not enjoying this. And, and, and I thought at the very beginning I was facing the headwind. I was about to find out I was facing kind of a sideways wind, because I turned a little bit on the lake, and I hit the full brunt of the headwind now coming right at me. And the windbreaker started to fluff up a little bit. Like, it was really working against me, and it fluffed up so much, I thought at some point I was going to fly away. Like, I thought I was going to be a kite up in the air. And you laugh now, and then you're driving by with your kid, and the kid's like, what's that kite up in the air? And you're like, no, that's JJ. And it would not have been good. Like, it would have been really bad. So, so the, the wind's fluffing me up, and, I, and I'm running, and I'm making track a little bit, and I'm really, at this point, starting to complain a little bit about, about the, kind of the fortune that I was having. And, and I drive, and, and I, I'm about three-quarters of the way there, and I see a guy, and I didn't really see his face, but I kind of saw his mannerisms. And he's watching me as he drives the other direction, and he looks and he kind of chuckles. Which I understand entirely, because it's probably a funny thing to see, but I didn't need that at that point in my running. And this guy's kind of chuckling, and I'm like, dude, seriously? <laughs> like, I'm killing myself here, and you're laughing at me? Like, I, don't, I, I didn't want that right then. And, and the thing is, there were three things going through my mind at that point. Number one, first and foremost, was I want to quit. Like right now where I'm at, this is really hard. I already run about three-quarters of a mile. I said I can run three-quarters of a mile. I can walk three-quarters of a mile home, and I'm going to be okay. Like that was a pretty good day. Uh, everything inside of me at that point wanted to quit. The second thing was, okay, I can press on, but as I press on, I'm going to have something to complain about. And even at this point in my life, uh, as I'm running, I'm already complaining. I'm like, I can't believe this. And we complain, ultimately, we're really blaming God for what we're going through. And I'm like, I can't believe the wind is this bad. And, 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 and I'm complaining about it. But it was at that point, as I'm wanting to quit and as I'm complaining about it, it was at that point that, that God downloads this idea in my mind. He says, J.J., see, I could see the finish line. I could see the, the turning point. I could see the point where I get to turn around. And I saw that, and I'm really frustrated. I'm really tired, and I want to quit. And I, I could see the turning around point. And God said this, like not audibly, but I, I could hear him communicating with me in my spirit. He said, J.J., if you get to that point, things are going to be a whole lot easier. And I thought about the trials that we go through. 
we face that, that point in our life where we know we get across that hump, and, and God is saying to us right now with where we're at, if we get to that point, if we make it to that point and we persevere, things are going to get a whole lot easier. It's not things are going to be easy. There's still going to be challenges. But when I hit that turnaround point in my run, I know I'd be facing the other direction. I'd be running back. And now that headwind that was rushing against me would now be a tailwind helping propel me forward, and things were going to get easier. And so I'm running, and I'm, I'm about to quit, and I'm frustrated, and I'm complaining. And then I say, wait a minute. If I get to that point, things are going to get a whole lot easier. And I started laughing. Like laughing at, like the guy laughing at me, I laugh like him. I'm like, dude, I'm going to make this, and it's going to be okay. And I kid you not, I get to the final portion. I, I get to where that turnaround point is, and I still had a little bit to go to get halfway around the lake, but I know... That at that point in the run, if I turn around and run back, there's a certain amount of mileage I want to run. And if I turn around at that turnaround point and run back, I'll get exactly when I get to my neighborhood, I get to exactly the amount of mileage I want to run. And I can walk home, kind of cool off period. But I got to that turnaround point where I normally quit. And about, about 10 feet before that, the wind just subsided entirely. And I got to that turnaround point, And the reason why I asked my turnaround point is because for that point, there's an upslope by about 10 or 15 degrees. It gets really hard to run. I don't want to hit that. And so normally at that point, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I reach my miles and then run back and I'll be done. But I got to that point and the wind subsided and I was laughing while I was running. I said, you know, let's keep going a little bit further. And I finished up that upslope and I got halfway around the lake and I ran back. And God was downloading into my life that sometimes life is really hard for us. We face trials and the trials make us want to quit. They make us want to complain. But if we look at those trials and we look at the enemy as trying to force us to quit in those trials and say, I'm going to make it that far. And when I make it that far, things are going to get a whole lot easier. We can start to experience success. We're in the middle of a series called Proof. We started this last week. If you're here, you know this. If not, catch you up a little bit. The book of James, chapter 1, we're in in the midst of this series. Uh, it's a three-week series to kick off something we're doing for the rest of the year. Reading the book of James as, as a church and, and going through that at different times, different series throughout the rest of this year. I challenged people last week to read the book of James. Did anybody do that this week, read the whole book of James? Awesome. If not, I'd encourage you to do that this week. It's real encouragement to us about what it means to persevere in our faith. And we said the big idea last week was that, that, that the, the, the good that I do for Jesus is proof of the faith I have in Jesus. It's not that those two things are, are intrinsically linked that I have to do good works for my salvation, but once I have salvation, he frees us up to do those good works. And so the good that I do for Jesus is proof of the faith I have in Jesus. And we got into this last week, and I want to do a, a quick recap of a couple of verses because it's going to become very important what we're talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, open up the book of James chapter 1. A couple of verses we looked at last week were James 1 verses 3 and 4, and it's talking specifically about, earlier oh, said to have joy in our trials, which is really difficult. But then it says in verse 3, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So James, at the outset of this letter, he literally only spends one verse really greeting everybody and says, let me jump right in in some content. And he begins by talking about our trials, and he says, the testing of our faith. So the first thing we have here is we have our test. And he says, the test produces in our life a steadfastness. That means I'm going to persevere, I'm going to continue to do the right thing. Even when things are difficult, when my faith is tested, that test is producing in my life a steadfastness about my life. And once I have that steadfastness, then my life is, through that steadfastness, I find completion or perfection, not that I'm perfect, but that I'm made complete 
in Christ. And so, and so the thing is, this external test that we're facing, if we continue to persevere, if we continue to say, I'm not going to quit, I'm not going to complain, I'm not going to find something to whine about, but I realize God is trying to teach me through this test, the testing of my faith produces steadfastness, and the steadfastness produces completion or life in me. Now, I want to compare that real quick with some verses we're going to look at today. So flip over to verse 15. Unlike this, it produces life and completion. Verse 15 says this, Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we have test, steadfast, bringing forth, bringing forth completion, and here we have desire, which gives birth to sin, which ultimately culminates in death. So I was reading this, and I said, you know, it's crazy that in a relatively short order, James jumps right into this, and he says, you're going to face trials. Every one of us this week, we're going to face trials, sometimes small, sometimes big, but we're going to face trials, and our faith is going to be tested. That's not necessarily a bad thing. We're going to face those tests, and, and if, if we don't want, if we don't complain, if we persevere, it's producing a steadfastness in our life, which brings about completion. However... Parallel to that is this idea that I can have a desire that leads to sin, and the sin in my life can lead to death. So I start to ask the question, okay, these two verses are somewhat juxtaposed in relatively short order. So God, what are we trying to communicate with comparing these two things? What are we trying to have happen in this? And I realized something. The tests that we face, most of the tests that we face are external. There's stuff that is beyond our control. We had a diagnosis that we're not expecting. That's a test. A test we can endure, but it's a test. We get, a, we get fired at work, or we, or we lose some sort of finances, or we get a bill we weren't expecting. It's a test that comes externally, and a lot of those tests we have no control over. They're external things. If there's something we can do, we want to work towards those things. But a lot of our tests are things we just have to persevere. We have some family conflict, and we had nothing to do with it, but there's this family conflict, and there's this test all of a sudden because of the family conflict. This right here, this is internal. We have that desire. Now, I'm going to get to this, that one can lead to the other. But we have this desire. We have this, this desire inside of us to quit or to complain or to whine about the situation we're in or to give up on a situation altogether and say, I'm going to go do something different entirely. The desire is an internal desire, and the internal desire can lead to sin, and that sin can culminate in death. See, when I was running, the trial was external. The trial was the wind. There's nothing inherently wrong with the wind. The wind is really good for a lot of people. But for me, running at that point, I didn't like the trial, but the trial could, if I work at it hard enough, that trial can make me stronger. It can make me more equipped to run a little bit stronger, a little bit more healthy. And so the trial could be a good thing or could be a bad thing, depending on my response. I wanted to quit. I wanted to complain. But if I could just make that turnaround point, things were going to get a lot easier. But when that trial, which is external, leads to us jumping tracks and coming over here to something that is internal, it makes us want to move from what can bring life to what can bring death. With that as a backdrop, we want to pick up today in verse 12. So if you have your Bibles, open up to James 1.12. And we're going to get into this this morning. James 1.12, it begins with this word, blessed. Uh, we did a series last year looking at the Beatitudes. The word blessed literally means happy. The word makarios means happy. Happy is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. 
James had just spent a, a long time talking about the trials that we face, and ultimately those trials can produce a couple of things in our life. It can produce a greater dependency upon God. It can produce a, a, a more mature sense of worship. It can produce a, a wisdom in our life if we go through those trials, if we really persevere through those trials. So he just taught him those ideas of trials, and he says, Blessed is the man, or happy is the man, who remains steadfast under those trials. So it's, it's very easy in life to say when we face those trials, it would be a whole lot easier to just give up. But we're trying to produce in our life a long-term satisfaction. Like I want at the end of my life to, to feel like, man, what you did, you persevered when things were tough. I want to produce that long-term satisfaction. The problem is in the short term, our convenience gets in the way. We like convenience because it makes things easier now. But convenience is the enemy of satisfaction. And I sacrificed my long-term satisfaction for my short-term convenience. Because convenience is easy. It's very easy. Right now, there are people who are experiencing a hardship in their marriage. And the easy thing to do would be to say, I'm done, I'm walking away. That's the easy thing. That's the convenient thing. Sometimes that's the thing that right now is going to bring less friction into my life. And so the easy thing for me to do is to walk away. I'm having financial trouble right now, and so the easy thing for me to do would just be to abandon my finances altogether. I can declare bankruptcy and go start all over. Convenience is easy. But convenience, while easy, is the enemy of satisfaction. It would have been very convenient. I can walk home three-quarters of a mile very easily. It would have been very easy for me to say, okay, I'm just going to go and I'm going to walk home and that's going to be it. But for me, convenience was the enemy of where I wanted to be in satisfaction. And if you've ever been a part of any exercise program, it's hard in the midst of that, that run or that workout or whatever it is that you're doing. But at the end of the workout, there's a lot of satisfaction. In fact, I never feel good during any part of the workout until the end. <laughs> but we're looking for that long-term satisfaction. And more important than any exercise we do is the satisfaction we find in a life that is enduring the trials of, 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 of our life to find satisfaction in Jesus and to really be able to do that. And so James is writing to a church and he's saying, blessed are they or happy are they that are willing to endure those, those trials, that are willing to pers- persevere through those trials. And when you do, since when he stood the test, he'll receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. And then he says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Now, it's interesting, because when I read that, I've kind of grown up being taught that, and I I believe that God doesn't tempt us. But as I started studying that, it was interesting to see that actually the the, the root word for being tempted there is the same root word that's found in the word trial in the beginning of of James 1, verses 2, 3, and 4. And it's interesting, because when I look at the external tests that we face, when I look at the trials that I face, I understand those trials can come from God. There's no doubt we see that. In fact, what James is alluding to earlier is that the trials that we face often are from God to prove the faith that we have and ultimately to produce inside of us a greater reliance upon Him. So a lot of times God gives us those trials that we face, but God does not tempt us. There's a difference. God gives us trials and tests, but He does not not tempt us. Even though the root words are very similar, the root words are the same, the words are very different. The beginning of James chapter 1 talks about the external trials that we face. Sometimes God puts those trials in our way specifically to prove in our life we need to have greater dependency upon Him and that we have the ability through Him to find perseverance. However, in the midst of those trials, there is a tormentor. God is going to come up as an accuser against you. They say, you can't get through. And what happens is we go from, from having a test that we're dealing with 
to now having the desire, the, the temptation to give in. So it says God brings a trial to our life that's true, but God is not going to be one who tempts us. So we start to hear a voice inside of us when we go through those difficult times saying, hey, I don't think you can make it. I don't think you're smart enough to make it through this. I don't think you're strong enough. You've given in so many times in the past. You've been frustrated so many times in the past. You've cussed that person out so many times in the past. That's just what you're going to do again. That's a voice of our desire coming from, from Satan who's trying to deceive us, saying you're not good enough to make it through this. And it's easy for us to give up at that point and say, you know what, you're right. I'm not good enough. But we have to know the difference between James 1, verses 2, 3, and 4, and James 1, 15, is that God would not entice his children to sin. The test isn't a test to sin, it's the test to prove how strong we are in our faith and our reliance upon him. The temptation becomes a temptation born of our desire that leads to sin, which ultimately leads to dissatisfaction and death in our life. And so we need to face the trials that we face. And James is writing to a church much like us. A church is going through some challenges in their life. And he says, I want you to know that you're going through these trials, but those trials are producing a steadfastness in your life. That steadfastness is producing life and and, and completion. Keep allowing that to happen. Don't quit. Don't give up. Because there's a tempter in the midst of those trials that's going to try to convince you to quit. We see people take it, make a decision to follow Christ and, and we celebrate with them and we give high fives. But the challenges that we face, we can't give them promise. Once you accept Christ, everything's going to be easy because it's not. And they face those trials. And as a church, we pray, say, man, we want you to persevere. We want you to make it through. The trials are going to come. We know they're going to come. But you can persevere. So James is right in the church saying that know that that temptation, when it comes, that temptation is not from God because God would not, his tempt, would not tempt his children, nor would he be tempted. It's interesting because as we talk about that, we say, okay, is there a place in Scripture where we see the, the, something going from a test to, to seeing the, the possibility of someone jumping the track. And, and over in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus just about to enter into his earthly ministry, and he goes out in the wilderness. And it says, in, it says this in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, Jesus led by the Spirit to the wilderness. So Jesus is about to go in the wilderness, and he's led by God, led by the Spirit to the wilderness, which was going to be the test. But in the midst of that test, the very next part of that verse says, to be tempted by the devil. So the trial is coming, and the devil is going to come and try to tempt him, but we know that God cannot be tempted. But Satan's going to try, and he's going to try to move from, from trial to, to, to temptation, which for Jesus is not going to be effective, but the problem is sometimes for us it is. Sometimes we face a trial, and it makes us frustrated. It makes us say, I don't want to go through this. The easier thing, the, the more convenient thing for me would be for me to avoid the trial altogether, for me to take the easy road out. And so it's very easy, it's very convenient for me to make those decisions that bring about less friction, that bring about an easier path for me right now. But in the long term, I, I find some sort of immediate satisfaction, but I, but I sacrifice my long-term satisfaction because I want that immediate response. I want that easiness now. James saying, persevere, don't give up. Don't say I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But then it says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Why are we tempted? Because we have a desire. We have a a nature inside of us, a sin nature inside of us that often leads us to the wrong path, that makes us want to do the wrong thing. And it's very easy to say, okay, I'm facing a test. I don't like the test. I'm going to go back to what I know. I'm going to go back to what is convenient. This is how I grew up. This is how I always saw people respond. And so when I get into a trial, the easiest thing I can do is to turn back to some of those old vices. 
and, and I just give up and I give in and I start to make some of those same mistakes. And we don't realize that it makes it easier now, but the long-term satisfaction is lost and it actually brings about long-term destruction, long-term, like even families being dissolved because of that, because we say, I'm going to give in to the desire that ultimately the sin nature that's inside of me and I'm being tempted by the one who wants to deceive me and bring me down. And God's saying, don't do that. Don't quit. Don't give up. Persevere. Since desire was conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when fully grown, brings forth death. But he says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So he says, don't be deceived. Don't give up. All the good and perfect gifts that we have are because of what God has done in our life. Keep that vision before you. Because for us, this day, we're going to face those trials. And the easy thing, because when I'm running and I could see that turnaround point, it was very easy because I knew if I just get to that point, it's going to be a whole lot easier. For us in life, it's not that easy. We see our trials. We don't always see the turnaround point. We don't always see the end point. And so it's hard to miss that and say, I don't need to make it that far and things are going to get better. But the promise is, it will get better. And in those moments where we want to give up, we want to give in and we want to complain, we have to look at our accuser and say, listen, God has told me it's not necessarily going to be easier, but if I make it to this point on the other side, things are going to be easier. The story that I have to tell is going to be a compelling story. I'm going to have a chance to share through what I've done and be able to share my faith with people around me, to have an influence on people around me and to make a difference in their life. So get behind me, Satan. Stop accusing me. Stop trying to force me to quit or trying to, to sway me, attempt me to quit. I'm going to continue to persevere. He says, for those good and perfect gifts come down, come down for the Father of lights. And verse 18, we'll stop here. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He says, when we persevere, when we stick with this, the faith that he is producing in our life will be an evidence, will be a proof to the people around us. And when they see us, because of the faith that we have, not because I'm a good person, not because I'm, I'm particularly strong, but because of the faith that we have in persevering and following Jesus, others will look at you and say, man, I can't believe in the midst of that trial the way that they continue to honor Jesus. I can't believe in the midst of that test the way they stayed strong and they persevered and they came out of that test stronger. That's the kind of faith that I want to have. And people look at your story, look at your testimony and say, that's what I want to be like. And so he talks to us as we are first fruits, we are the first of the fruit, meaning there are other people who because of our story, because we have a compelling story, because they're going to see videos like we saw today, and they're going to hear your story. And they're going to say, man, because of what they did, because of the story that they have, I now want to follow and embrace the faith that they have. I want to follow the Jesus that they say they serve. They would be the first fruits of those conversions, first fruits of people really following Jesus. That's our prayer, church. Continue to persevere, continue to stick with it, and as we do that, happy is the man, blessed is the man who remains steadfast in the midst of those trials. Let's pray.